Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Welcome uh, to breakfast and our class today. Uh, it is dedicated in loving memory of Lois Wagner, Alea HaShalom, Le'ilui Nishmat, Lea Rachel Bat Leib, Alea Shalom on her first Azkara, sponsored by her son, uh, Robert Wagner. And as well, it is also dedicated in loving memory, uh, again, of Lois Wagner, Alea Shalom, Le'ilui Nishmat, Lea Rachel Bat Leib, Alea Shalom, um, sponsored as well by her daughter, Nancy Wagner. Bitzror Achaim. Leia Ruchel. I think that's the same name. Um, but just in case, Leia Ruchel, Ruchel Bat Leib. Okay. My dear friends, I want to read to you a verse. The Pasuk says, Vayikrivu Yemei Yisrael Lamut, and the days of Yisrael, of Yaakov, had hastened uh, to, to come. He calls to his son to Yosef, and he says to him, If I have found favor in your eyes, Please place your hand, means beneath my thigh. And you will do with me good, chesed is kindness, and, uh, and truth. And he asks him, please, please don't bury me in Egypt. Okay? So Yaakov asks one final thing from his son before he dies. Don't bury me in Egypt. Tachilak. I beg of you. Now this amazing thing, this amazing last request, if you will, from Yaakov to his son, why does he ask Yosef specifically? Why doesn't he ask all of his children? And our rabbis explain that while all of his children have the obligation to show him the honor and fulfill those last requests, like the Gemara says, It's a misvah to listen to the last requests of a shechiv of merav, someone that's passing away. Okay, obviously with certain rules and certain caveats, a person should ask if their mother or father or whoever it is that passed away asked something of them, maybe that's a little bit uh, too, too tough to swallow, okay? But there's mitzvah l'kayim divrei amet. So um, why doesn't he ask everyone, every one of the brothers together? And the answer is that it was Yosef that had the power to do so. Yosef, from his position on the throne, was able to get him out. Now the Egyptians at the time, they recognized that Yaakov was a tremendous tzaddik and that he brought real blessing. And they didn't want him to leave. They wanted to create a shrine for Yaakov in Egypt. But Yaakov says, I don't want to be buried here. I want to be buried back in Canaan. Now, I want to focus today with you really on two words, if that's okay. And the two words are chesed ve'emet. I want you to do kindness and truth. What do those two words mean over here? I want you to do kindness. I understand. I'm asking you to fulfill me. Uh, you know, a, a promise. But what about Yosef burying Yaakov in Israel is emet. You guys get the question? One more time. If I ask you for a favor and you're going to fulfill that favor for me, that's chesed. Why is it truth to bury Yaakov in the land of Israel? Why is that truth? Is that a good question? Now, I think there's e easy answers 
and complicated answers. Let me give you the easy answer first. Why was Yaakov worried about being buried in the land of Egypt? Does anyone know? There are two reasons. One reason is that there's pain for the body of someone who's buried when they're buried in Chutz La'aretz. It's better for the Nishama when the time of Mashiach comes. It's better for a person to be buried in Israel than it is to be buried in Chutz La'aretz. So that's one answer. Sorry? You don't have to travel. Second answer is Yaakov Avinu knew that in the time would come when they would do, uh, what's it called? When there would be uh, the Makkah of Kinim, all of the earth would have turned into bugs. So to be buried in creepy crawlies was a disgusting idea. Answer number two. Rabutai. But answer number three to me is the most fascinating of all. Answer number three, Answer number three is that Yaakov Avinu understood that they looked at him like a god. They saw that when he came, the seven years of famine was abbreviated to two. And once he came, there was no problem. And when he would walk, the, the water source would rise to, you know, towards him. They understood him to be a powerful person. Yaakov Avinu therefore says, if you bury me here, these Egyptians, they're going to turn me into a deity. So he says to me, do me a kindness so it's not uncomfortable for me to be buried here, both in the time of the plagues and as well in the future. That's chesed. But there's also an element of emet that if I'm buried here, something untrue is going to happen. They're going to serve me as a deity. Rabotai, but there's one other layer to the emet of burying Yaakov uh, in the land of Israel as opposed to in the land of Egypt. One other element which is tied up with the concept of truth. You see, one of the reasons why Yaakov was asking Yosef specifically is because all the other sons, he knew he wouldn't have a problem with them. But it was Yosef that Yaakov was worried about. Why? If you read Rashi, Rashi quotes that Yaakov said to his son a crazy thing. Right after he asked him to bury him, he says, Ve'ani and I, when I was traveling on the road, meta alai Rachel. Rachel died. She died on me, on the road. And I buried her in Bethlehem. I buried her, Kivrat Eretz, Lavo Efrata. I didn't even take her into the city. I literally buried her like a, you know, the, you have the rest stop off of the highway. I buried her on the side of the road. Viyadati and I know I know that you have you're upset at me you have complaints in your heart that this is how you buried my mother she died on the road you didn't take her to, to the Ma'arata Machpela you didn't take her to a nice Jewish cemetery you buried her on the side of the road in a Maseva in this little building that we have you know even till this day right? you buried her like that now you're asking me you couldn't be bothered to take her into the city when it came to my mother. Now you're asking me when you die in Egypt, I have to hire a, you know, a private jet to take you to, what, to, to Israel? I know that you're upset with me. I know that you're upset with me. But Yaakov Avinu says, and this is powerful, Yaakov Avinu says, I want you to know that the reason why I buried her was Alpi Hadibur that I had a prophecy that God told me to bury her here. Why? The Pasuk says that in the time of, Mash the, time of the Galut, 
when the, the Jewish people were leaving the land of Israel, they were being taken in chains by Nebuchadnezzar. They were being walked out of the state of Israel in chains as slaves. And as they were leaving Israel, um, without knowing if they'd ever come back, they passed by this grave on the side of the road, which was the grave of Rachel. And they prayed at that place as they were walking. They wouldn't even let them stop. And they prayed at Rachel's grave. And the Pasuk says, Kol nishma, a voice is heard on high. Nehi rurim, Rachel, Rachel was crying for her children. She refuses to be consoled. Because her children, her sons, are gone. And the response comes back. God responds to Rachel and says to her, Don't worry, you have nothing to worry about. You will be rewarded for what you've done. Our rabbis say that what Rachel says to God is while everyone else fails to convince God to bring the Jewish people back from uh, exile, Rachel says to God, what are you upset at them for? You're upset that they're worshiping other gods, that they're worshiping other idols? I also had a husband that married someone else. I also, when I saw my sister's shame, I was willing to let that slide. If I'm capable of getting past the hurt, Bore Olam, you have to be as well. Aren't you bitter, bigger and better than just a human being? Powerful. So Rachel, with her, um, with her words, manages to elicit the divine favor and get that promise that the Jewish people would come back one day. Rabutai, that's the emet that Yaakov is speaking about. He says to his son, Yosef, I know you're upset. I know you're upset, but I'm asking of you to recognize that the truth is, I didn't do it because I was lazy. The truth is that the reason why I did it was because I was told to put her here. There was a reason why she had to be buried here. That's the emet. So Yaakov asks for two things, chesed and emet. I have to tell you, Rabotai, these two things, they've been playing in my mind on a loop. There's a lot of times that a person has to do something and that thing comes from chesed. And there's sometimes that a person has to do something and it comes from emet. Let me give you an example as to what I mean. Someone calls you up and they need a favor from you, right? If I ask you for a favor, chesed, I'm asking you to do a kindness with me. Good? Yes. The second thing is, the second level rabotai is when the thing that I'm doing for you doesn't come because it's kind, it comes because it's just. Yaakov says to Yosef, you're hesitating to take me back to the land of Israel. Don't hesitate. I deserve it. It's emet that I buried your mother here for a good reason. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu told me, so to speak, I had a nevuah that this is where she should be buried. Some things that we do in life are because we're being kind and they are undeserved. And some things rabotai are emet, they are deserved. Now, here's the idea that I want to share with you that to my mind, this blew my mind when I first learned this concept. You know, a lot of times we look at somebody and we think to ourselves, does this person deserve me going out of my way for them? 
Does, does my child deserve this favor that they're asking? Do they deserve it? And we look at the terms of deserving only in terms of the recipient. But actually, deserves is also something which comes in terms of the person who's giving. So as an example, let's say someone asks you for $100 and you don't have $100. That's chesed. It's hurting you to give it. Let's say you have $100 million and someone asks you for $100. The question of not, or of whether they deserve it or not, of whether they deserve, is not only based on what they do to earn that, uh, that favor, but rather, Rabotai, also, what is that favor costing me? Yaakov says to Yosef, I recognize that there's a bitterness here in this which I'm asking you. In Yaakov's case, it was because maybe he felt that Yosef felt that his mother wasn't given the same honor. But Rabotai, and listen to this, pa- this powerful idea. For many of us, when we're being asked to do something for somebody else, there's a chesed component and an emet component. The emet component sometimes is a person is saying to themselves, you know, why should I do this? And the emet is because you can. The emet is because you're sitting in a seat of power. The emet is because this person doesn't have money to bury their parents. And you do, or you have access to being able to get that money. The emet here is that if you can do it, then you must. Rabotai, I want to talk about being realistic and being emet um, with, with your life and with your resources. Um, and I want to share just one example of this concept of what it means to live your life with chesed ve'emet. You know, I still remember... <clears throat> I still remember for, I mean, it's something that stuck with me since, since the day it happened. And it just came to my mind because this morning, uh, one of my daughters sent me a message about she wants to look at going to camp. And, you know, you think about going to camp. You remember when you were in camp. And I'll never forget when I was a young counselor. It was the night after um, visiting day. And as I'm sitting there, uh, you know, kind of finally unwinding, you know, you got to be on your best behavior as a counselor. All the parents are coming, all the tips are coming, you know, you got to do everything. So I was exhausted. But one of the kids whose grandfather actually was a, a very wealthy man, the grandfather had come and he wrote him out a check for the canteen. The canteen is a little hut and camp where they, you can buy candy, nosh, whatever, a slice of pizza, if you don't like the food, right? It's a place where you can spend that extra money. So most people's parents give them $100 or whatever, you know, and then that lasts through the summer. Who needs uh, more than $100 worth of uh, junk? This kid's grandfather had come. Half the summer was already over, and he writes him out a check to give to the canteen. He put in his canteen account $1,000. Right? If, no, you, you, for five people, the whole camp, right? He gives them $1,000 halfway through. This, he's not going to, but they give you the money back at the end, right? They give you the money back. Anyway, this kid stands up after dinner is over on that night. I'm like ready to hit the sack. And he says to, announces at the table, he's like, guys, 
Come on, everybody, we're going to the canteen. Whatever anybody wants, on me. This round's on me, Yanni, okay? Everyone's like, ah. <laughs> They're all gonna go get a sugar high now. Last thing I want, uh, as a counselor, I gotta put them to bed in an hour, right? I called the kid over. I said, listen, it's very nice what you're doing. Beautiful, right? I said to him, but tell me, your grandpa gave this to you. Do you think he'd be happy knowing that you just like blew it on 25 kids, you know, going to... And I'll never forget this as long as I live. Little kid, maybe, what, how old was they? Eight, nine years old. And he just looks up to me with these big, clear eyes. Like, almost like he didn't understand. He looks at me and he says, I don't understand. What else is money for? At the age of nine years old, eight, nine years old, he'd been raised, his, his parents, a tremendous ba'alei tzedakah, he'd been raised to look at money, the money that he has, as something which affords him, allows him the opportunity to be able to give. Rabotai, you have some people who give money and they think that they're ba'alei chesed. They think that they are people who do great kindnesses. But then there's a kid like this, who doesn't see his act of charity as an act of kindness. He sees it as an act of emet. This is what I'm supposed to be doing with this money. This is why it was given to me. This is why it was granted to me. Rabotai, it's only Yosef, of all the brothers, who suffers that experience at the hands of Yaakov, so to speak, that his mother is buried on the side of the road. It's only this brother that Yaakov calls and says, Chesed ve'emet. All the other brothers, it's just Chesed for them to take this journey. For Yosef, there's an added element, an added layer of emet. And he says to his son, God blessed you in this way that he put you here. It has to be that part of the reason why he put you here was for this. Rabotai, we need to ask ourselves from time to time, what else is money for? What else is power for? What else is strategy? Having a brain that allows you to be able to open things up for people in a way that people can't think. If you're great at advice, what is it for? Why did God give that to you? Why did he put you on that seat? He put you there to be able to make something happen that perhaps you otherwise could not have done. And I think we learn from here that um, there's uh, an expression in the Gemara that says that burying someone is called chesed shel emet. Why is it called a chesed of emet? Because the person that you did the kindness to can never repay you. They can't come back and tell, talk to, in the shul about how nice you are. They can't, you know, repay the loan. They can't tell you, I'll get you next time. Because that's it, chalas, they're gone. So dealing with someone that needs to be buried or have a, a, you know, a tombstone put up or show them the kavod or, or make some final arrangements, all of those things is called a chesed shel emet. The kindness comes from a very true place. But Rabotai, in truth, all chesed requires on some level an element of emet, where the person recognizes that if I'm in the position to be able to assist, then that is something that I must do. Um, I, I, uh, 
I'm fond of quoting um, the, uh, one of my dear friends, Rabbi Naftali Schiff from London. He, he was pulling up at a, at a traffic light and he looks out the window and there sitting next to him at the light is one of the big donors to the charity that he was uh, collecting for running. And he sees the guy and he waves to him. And Rabbi Schiff says to the man, he says, look, you know, we need to uh, meet up. The guy's in this drop-top drop Ferrari. And he says, we need to meet up soon. And the man says, Rabbi, he goes, it's a tough time. You know, people, the market wasn't in a good place. He goes, it's a tough time. You know, charity is a luxury. And we all need to be cutting back right now. He said, from the bucket seat of his convertible Ferrari. <laughs> charity is a luxury. That's a person who looked at chesed like chesed. And not at chesed like it's emet. Charity is not a luxury. Charity is a necessity. Rabbi if we could all see um, our opportunities to give and our opportunities uh, to assist and to, uh, to make the life of someone in our world just a little bit better, if we saw that as an obligation rather than as a, than as a kindness, as something which is just the emet, the truth of my obligation, then I think we would be living different lives. But I think more than that, the world that we live in would look re remarkably different. May Hashem bless us to be purveyors of chesed that feels like emet. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen. Rabbi Hananya.